Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Good to be in church this morning. Glad you're here. I'm preaching the golden text. If I was to say the golden text of the Bible, where would you turn? Hey, there it is. They said when Morehouse come to preach for Moody, Moody had been out preaching. His wife said, you need to come and hear this young man Morehouse preach. Said he don't preach like you do. Said he preaches love different. He said, that she, he said well, what can you preach? He said he preached John 3.16 for two nights. Said he showed up on that third night and said I can find no other text that covers the word of God. I believe I'll just turn to John chapter three and verse 16. They said he'd come back on Thursday night and Friday night he stood and he said, I've searched the scripture from one end to the other and I can find no greater text to preach from than John chapter three and verse 16. I agree with Brother Morehouse today I'm in chapter 3 of John and verse number 16. If you found it, shout amen. amen. I can quote it. I've quoted it many a time, but I'm going to read it from the page. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I love you. I thank you for the day. I'm glad I know who you are. But better than that, I'm glad you know me. Hallelujah. The Lord knows them that are his. Lord, I pray you'd fill my mouth, guard my tongue, and preach me with unction inside the bounds of this book. I pray you'd save some lost soul here today, God. I'm praying that the Holy Ghost would move from breast to breast, pew to pew, would settle down on some lost soul who knows they've heard the gospel over and over. And today would be the day that they'd come and call upon the name of the Lord. Bless this place, God, for your glory and do it in your power. I love you, Lord. I thank you for letting me be here today. Now do what you do. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We have John's different than the other Gospels. John pictures or typifies Christ as God. We come to the book of John, we come to verse chapter number one, and here's what John the Baptist said. They talked about the outcast crying, that's him. They had no idea what I was preaching on today. Abby sang about his love, no idea. Randall preached that, fixed out the love of God. No idea what I was preaching on today, but God knew what I was gonna preach on today. And he sent a message for you here in this Side the bounds of these walls today. In chapter one, you'll see him the, as the Lamb of God. John stood there in the Jordan that day, and the long lean Nazarene come walking down the shore, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The sin that today in heaven is zero. Your sin debt has been paid, but you gotta claim the payment today. We come on down to chapter two. Here's what we're going to find. We're going to find him called the Messiah. They said, oh, he's the Messiah. And then we're going to find this, the first miracle. We're going to find the first miracle. That's in chapter one. He's the Lamb and the Messiah. In chapter two, the first miracle is 
performed, recorded miracle, by the way. Recorded miracle is performed, the first miracle. But not only is the miracle performed and recorded, but there's a cleansing of the temple. Now, they didn't much care for this. Jesus walked in there, whipped the tithe out of some of them, kicked the money changers' tables over, and run everybody off. What kind of preacher is that? He's purifying the temple. He's showing that it's been polluted. It needs to be cleaned up. I'm telling you, know you not that you're the temple of God. I'm telling you, I've had to do a little house cleaning. I think there might be somebody here today that could do a little house cleaning and be perfect in the sight of God, in the way walking in the perfect will of God and not the permissive will of God. Then we come to chapter 3. Huh. Chapter 3 is where the religious man, the ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus by name, comes to Jesus by night. Brother Gordon, I wonder why he came by night. Some said he were afraid. Maybe that's it. Maybe he just couldn't get to him any other time. You ever think about that? Maybe he's so busy, so many people around him, maybe it's the time that he can get to him. And he comes in the night. He, you know what he's wanting? He's wanting what everybody in this room needs. He's wanting a little one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. Look here. I can't go to him. I go to him on a, a lot of you all's behalf and a lot of the children's behalf. I'll, I'll say I do that. But that's what pastors do. But when it comes to personal relationship and being where God wants us to be and doing what God would have us to do, I can't go to him and say, God, show me for Gordon and I'll tell him. No, Gordon got to go for himself. You're going to know what God wants you to do. You're going to have to get in there. You need to have one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. And we have that. And the religious man here has no idea he's talking about something brand new. He's never heard about a new birth. Everybody inside this room has heard it over and over again. Your pastor said it at least a hundred times. If you've been here in the last five years, you've heard me say it 25 to 50 times. You must be born again. Most me and every man that preaches here or that leads a singing or sings a song testify to the fact that you must be born again. You will not make heaven your home outside the family of God. You must be born again. Hey, Nicodemus was, it was a strange saying to him. How can I enter in the second time, Brother Roland, into my mother's womb and be born? How can a man that is old be born? Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mark a lot that I say to you, you must fail. You must be born again. You must be born again. Now to the golden test. Why would anybody want that? I'm going to try to dissect this text in about 20 minutes this morning. I could spend 20 years on it. Somebody said, I read something last night, said the young men grabbed this because it's the easiest text to preach. And they all preach it. said the old men begins to know what it means. And they preach it. But said they all preach it. Number one, I want us to understand something today. For the new birth, he's got to understand something. 
And they had, a, they had a, a, an understanding of God, but they didn't know God intimately. They didn't know him, Jimmy, intimately. They couldn't. It takes the Holy Spirit for us, in order for us to know him intimately and to be part of his family. How do you know when that spirit's working? Unmistakable. Unmistakable. They call and go to children's church. Well, what about it? And I said this here the other day, but this is the spirit working. His little cousin, Jane May, got up and sang a song. Colin told grandma or mama or daddy or grandpa or whoever's with him, said, that made tears come to my eyes. He don't know nothing about the Spirit of God. But there's something touching a four-year-old boy's heart. When somebody begins to sing, I'm about to have a fit. When somebody begin to sing about the Lord, my mother sung on King, my mother been pruning like somebody can sing it, but all of a sudden something touched the heart. What might that be? That be the Spirit of God. Amen. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are what, Junior? Yeah, praise God, we're in the family. So, in order for us to understand this, I want to ask the question of who is God? It would make, we would need to know that. We would need to know that. Who is God? Well, here's what he is He's omnipotent. In Genesis 17 1, he comes to Abel. And you know what he tells him? I am the Lord God Almighty. I am the Lord God Almighty. Now, we know that by the Word of God. We understand that by the Word of God today. That He is the Lord God Almighty. I, I can't remember a time in my life that I ever doubted. I feel so sorry for these pitiful people. I seen a guy preaching on the street yesterday. And I'm telling you, I'm forming a little different opinion. And my mind keeps going back to this, don't cast your pearls before the swine. I think maybe we're throwing our pearls out there to a bunch of hogs when he told us not to do it. Lord, God, throw it to somebody that won't throw them back at you. Throw it to somebody that'll glean the ear. Throw it to somebody that's going to listen. This old boy is standing on the corner preaching. He said he's just talking about how good God is. And, these, and this crowd was, was heathens. He's got all I don't know that I've ever doubted that in my life. Because since I was college age or before, that's what I've heard. It's what I heard. If you're here today and that's all you've heard all your life, if you're saved or unsaved, you're going to give a whooping for the glory of God that you understand who He is. He's omnipotent God. He's all-powerful. Praise God in the beginning. He said, let there be light. Gave and it was darkness all over and the earth was out for him, darkness on the face of the deep. He said, let there be light. What these earth was. Socrates couldn't do that. Einstein couldn't do it. He may have figured out that pi R square. But the old country boy said, cornbread R square, pi R round. just depends on where you're from as to what that means. They couldn't do it, Randy. 
God said, and it was. Jason, he's omnipotent in power, all power. There's no power on earth. That song that we, I sing sometimes, Gary sings it. Billy wrote it. The parson sing it. He says, and I, Jesus said, I'm not afraid of anything. I don't fear nothing. That's why, because he's all powerful. He's omnipotent, number two. And who is God? He's omniscient. Job 26 and 7 says this. He knows how to do it. He hung the earth on nothing. After he made it, then he hung it on nothing. And it's still hanging here. And it's still doing what he said for it to Why? What kind of God is this? Job got a little excited there toward the end of his book. He said, where were you? About chapter 38 or 34, I get my numbers thinking. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? I mean, I laid them out. He knows how. There's nothing escaped him. Nothing ever occurred to God. God knew it. Your tomorrow, he's already there. That helps me. That helps me when I know no matter what I'm facing tomorrow, the tragedies that's gone on in my life in past years, Bob, it didn't matter. My God was already there waiting on me when I got there. And when that thing comes to take me out of here, he'll be there waiting on me for that. Omniscient. He's omnipotent. That's who he is. He's omniscient. We know that. He knows all things. How does he do that? I don't know. If, if he couldn't do it, he wouldn't be God. Somebody said, explain that to me. I said, I can't. His ways aren't my ways. His thoughts aren't my thoughts. I don't understand. I can't understand. He's God. I just have to believe it. He left the easy part to me. He's not only omnipotent, that's who he is. He's omniscient. You know where I'm going next. He's omnipresent. He's omnipresent. If I ascend into the heavens, if I made my bed in hell, there he is. He's all places at all times. Now, I can have you understand that, preacher? I don't understand it. And if some guy tries to tell me that they understand it, I'm not going to listen to that bird. You can't rationalize that. Huh? The natural man receiveth not the things of God. They're spiritually discerned. Now, there's some things I do know. I used to not know, but I know now. I've learned a thing or two. I hope to know a little more next year than I know now. As long as my forgetter or my learner, whichever way it is, yeah, Jimmy forgot his own Jimmyism. There you go. Uh, if I get there, I won't remember more. <laughs> For God, who is he? Well, he's, that's the three things he is. He's much more than that. I could go on and on and just stay right there. Well, what did he do? Let's dissect this first. For God so loved the world that he gave. So what did he do? So, but he loved. Number one, he loved. So loved the world. Now, I've been listening to some guys on, on some social media, and they say this. They say, well, now, that's not true. He don't love everybody. I disagree with that. I believe that God so loved the world, mankind, 
I don't think that God so loved the earth. Now, he could have made as many of them as he wanted. But he made you as an individual. So God so loved the world, mankind. So what kind of love is this? Mike Blanton's favorite verse, Romans 5 and 8. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a whole lot of love. Your mama didn't love you that much. You don't love your spouse or your children that much or your grandchildren. But God loved us that much. There's no love compared to his love. Completely, holy, absolutely unconditional love. He loved and then he gave. You know what love makes you do? Love, love will make you give. It just does. It's a natural response to loving is giving. Exactly. I've got the only grandson in Walmart on Friday. Now that right there is love where I'd have never been and now don't go for myself. So now we're walking down, guess which aisle we're walking down, Marcus? Can you guess which aisle I'm in? K-14, I think it is. And we looked at everything in there, everything, Jimmy, we looked at all of it. And he didn't, two-thirds of it, he didn't pay a lot of attention to because he's already got it. You tell me God's not blessed you with more than you deserve, and I'll tell you, I don't know what you're saying. Give me exceedingly abundantly more than I ask or think he's given me that much. Finally, we settle on something, and it's a noise-making machine gun, and I'm thinking, don't pick that. Pick something else, not that. And it's got a hand grenade and it makes noise too. It's got a knife in it. It's quiet. I don't buy it. I'll just buy you a knife. Nope. Yeah. Uh. Uh, last night going to bed, I could hear you. And then the hand grenade. It goes beep, 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 beep. Boom. He didn't need that thing. It's hard to preach with him. I'm just Guess what? Come home with us. I don't buy nobody else's kids that, Gordon. There's kids everywhere. snare drum Jimmy gave him either a snare drum with a spring on the bottom and sticks. It's going to Watertown, brother. <laughs> when Dusty comes home, bang, bang, where did this come from? 
gave. Why did he do it? Now he gave his only begotten son. I love you folks. I mean, I love the church people. Randy loves you. Avery's going to learn to love you. If you'd say, give me Colin, and everybody else in this building walk away scot-free, I'd say, I'm sorry. They're going to die guilty. Because he's my only begotten grandson. Dusty said, I'm out, Dad. I'm out. I said, yeah, you pretty much are. And he said, the only way I can get them to the heaven is if I go myself. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to do what they can't do, Jay. And I'm going to walk on this earth, and they're going to talk about me, and I'm not going to get mad. He said, they're going to pull the beard off my face, and he said, I'm going to bless them. And I'm going to give them what they never deserved in this life. And when they, when they went the wrong way and done the wrong things, I'm going to come between them and their sin. If they'll accept me, I'll take it. I'm going to do. I'm going to give my only begotten son and bless the name of God. Hey, on that cold night, that virgin brought forth her firstborn son. Hey, I just whacked him in swaddling clothes. Laid him in a manger. And who did he do that for? Whosoever. I listened to a guy preach last night for about 20 minutes, well, 15 minutes, about all I could take. 15 minutes of telling why atonement has to be limited. And this guy's a brilliant scholar, I could tell from his vocabulary. Sometimes he'd say something, I'd say, hey Siri, what does this mean? But I believe Jesus spoke in terms that the smallest child could understand. I don't think you need a college degree to understand what Jesus is saying. And if it takes a college degree for you to convince somebody that this thing's limited, I think you're barking up the wrong tree, my friend. Certainly don't tell me I'm lost because I don't believe in a limited atonement. The only one that limits atonement is you. He's done everything he's going to do or tear that word whosoever out of the book. And if you're here today, you're the whosoever that God died for that you can spend eternity with him. Would you do that? Would you do that? Who is you? You got to see how high he is. He's holy God. Almighty. He's the lamb that took away the sin of the world. He loved us and he gave his only begotten son. And why did he do it? For whosoever. Watch this. Peter says it first. We studied this a couple weeks back in Sunday school. Peter says it first in Acts 2.21. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul comes then in Romans Peter says it, then Paul says the same thing in Romans 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Let me, let me deepen that just a second. It means to put it into action. It's not just something you say. You can believe that bench will hold you all day, but until you sit on the bench, until you sit on the bench, you've never put faith in that. When we come to Christ, when we call, listen, calling comes like this, comes to draw the Holy Spirit. No man can come unto me except the Father which I sent me draw him. The Holy Spirit does the work. He's the one that baptizes us into the body of Christ. If he's not put you in the body of Christ, you've not been baptized by the Holy Ghost into the body, friend, and you're not in the body. Just that simple. He draws you, and when he draws you, conviction will come to your soul. That's how you know you're being drawn. When you're guilty, and you know you're guilty, and you've been caught, and you're hiding behind the house from the law, you knew you was guilty. No difference. You know you're guilty before God. You're a sinner. You've told a lie. You've done something bad. Didn't honor your mom and dad. You broke a commandment. If you broke one, you broke them all. And when we know that, then we'll call. We get to the place of calling. He will answer. That's who he does. Oh. So today... Where does that lead us? Who is he? He's God Almighty. Well, what did he do? He loved. And he gave. Well, why did he do it? For whosoever. Where does that lead us? Well, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. So it leads us in one or two categories. Everybody in this room this morning, we're a believer and we shall not perish, or an unbeliever, and perishing is on our schedule. Perishing there is a is a in the Greek, let me see if I can let me see if I can pronounce this. I'll I'll do the best I can in my hillbilly tongue. Perishing here is apolumi. And it means to destroy or lose, literally and figuratively. So you lose your life, you're destroyed, literally and figuratively. The problem is, you do that eternally. When we see the rich man in and, and, and Luke chapter 16, we don't find him. We find him fully conscious, though he's out of the body. We find him fully conscious. He can hear, speak, feel, has understanding, can see. Perishing. I am tormented in this flames. I'm, I don't have my phone with me. David Mitchell sent me a video of this Satan, Satan club for kids after school activity. Have you seen the video? And the song, and the song says, hey, Satan's okay. You're, and and it, here's what it says. There is no hell. And at the end it says Satan's just an imaginary thing. And they're playing this. They're, they're, they're using this for the kids 
after school activity. Here's the problem. There's multitudes, there's multitudes that's going to enroll their children in that program and not think a thing about it. You would too if he was totally unchurched and didn't believe in God. That'll make you cry. And these kids are coming into that and they think, they think that's a catchy little tune. I mean, it's just catchy. And they think, well, hey, this Satan club's the way to go. We're not going to question you. Here's one of the lines in the song. We won't question you. Satan won't question you if you're black, white, or gay. And many's bought that. Then there's the other part of that verse. Say, well, what's so good about it? Everlasting life. Well, I, I don't feel real good. So why would I want to live like this forever? That's the beauty. You don't live like this forever. He gives us a brand new body. Say, well, I don't believe that. Then, friend, that's your problem today. Let me tell you, he's a literal God. And we're living on a literal earth. There's a literal heaven. There's a literal hell. There's a literal king seated at the right hand of the Father literally making intercession for us today. And for all who believe and trust in him, literally, he said, I'll come and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And praise God, listen, the no more's of Revelation 22 and 4. No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Eternally in that condition. Week, two weeks ago Saturday, I sat with Jerry Buckner, just like Mike, sitting my mother there, at the association meeting Friday night, I was at his funeral visitation. Jerry's a year younger than me. He just hadn't turned 61 yet, but he's about two. Well, I, really, he's two years younger than me. And uh, there we are at his visitation. Here's what his wife Connie said at the funeral, standing at the coffin. Jerry laying there in his Sunday mask. Looked like he could have just got up and talked to us. He looked better, this is bad to say, but he looked better in a, in a casket than he did at the church the other day. He's all washed out and pale, they'd painted him up, had him looking pretty good. And Connie said, Mike, said, you know what he done? And I didn't have any idea what she was about to say. She said, he beat us there. I said, glory. That's what he done. He just beat us there. He just beat us there. Where's he at? He's in that eternal hole. Now, I don't think he's in a glorified body yet. I'm not looking for a spiritual debate today or theological debate. I don't think he's in a glorified body as of yet. The resurrection's got to occur. The dust, the mortal's got to put on immortality. Corruptible's got to put on incorruption. 
We're going to be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, but he is in a soul body now with full capacities and faculties. And he, it, we see through the glass darkly, but then face to face. And there he is. And he's beat us home. Would you go home to be with the Lord if he called you out today? Young person, you sat here and listened to preaching for a lot of your life. If God called you out today, come on. If God called you out today, would you go home to be with the Lord? I've said this for years. You can't fake it and make it. Would you go home to be with the Lord? That's the simplest verse and the most profound verse and the deepest verse. It covers the entire word of God in one verse. And I don't know how many times that God's put that on my heart in this very church to preach it. And somebody heard it. Ed Reed's the first one come to my mind. When I preached it that day, oh, Ed Reed been a deacon, bus driver, worked in churches all his life, 78, 76K, somewhere right in there, come to this altar. I thought he'd just come in to pray. Got up and said, I heard the gospel for the first time today in my entire life. Why was that? The Holy Ghost gave him an ear to hear. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. God gave him an ear to hear, Jason. He could hear it. And he come and he called on the name of the Lord. An old man been in church all his life. Most of his life. And there he was. I preached it here another time. I can't remember which one of my kids got saved when I preached it here. Seems like they always come to this altar. John 3, verse 16. Heaven's real. So is hell. It's just as real. No matter how many songs, giddies, ditties have been written about it, how many after school programs trying to teach kids that hell's not real, it's real, friend. Jesus didn't die just because he didn't have nothing else to do. He died so you wouldn't go to hell. We stand and bow our heads for in place. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.